This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, a conversation with Bajoli Shaw about Valentine's Day gift buying. You can get really good jewelry, like really good jewelry for 400 bucks. But first, I want to check in with you. I've been doing this show for over a year now. And around this time of year, last Valentine's Day, I met a guy. It was related to uh, the public radio show Planet Money invited me on their program to talk with an economist for dating advice. And that's when I went on my first date, recorded on Skype, with my now boyfriend, Mike. Let's listen, just to feel all sentimental. Hey. Hi. (laughs) Hold on a second. Yeah, it's your idea. <laughs> no, it's an economist idea, but it was my idea to take dating advice from an economist. Right. So yeah. I kind of screwed this up. First no, no, hold on, it's been a while since I've used Skype. I'm trying to like get it all set up here. All yeah. right. So what's up? Aw. Now, some of you guys have been telling me that I've changed. Since I got a boyfriend, the show is not as good as it used to be. Well, there are a couple things that I can kind of attribute that to. One is I got a new job around the same time that I got this boyfriend, and with that new job has come a lot less time. So I'm happy I've been able to keep YOY going, but it's definitely different. Another thing is that I haven't wanted to talk that much about my relationship with him, and there isn't that much to talk about. And when I was single, I loved talking about that because it made the whole time feel less lonely for me. But now that Mike's in my life, I also want to respect his privacy. But with this encouragement tonight, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit and share a story about our time together. And again, this is an experiment. It might not be as much fun for you as hearing me do an interview. It'll definitely be more fun than hearing me talk to Randy. So let's give it a try. Here's a story I've alluded to a bit on the show. It took place on one of the coldest nights of the year, just about a month ago. I'm sitting in a trendy ramen restaurant, hot and cold all at once. I want to look pretty in my dress, so my coat's pulled down into a C-shape around my waist. This way, he can see my shoulders. The outside door and the outside-outside door keep opening and closing as the couples stream in from neighboring movie theaters and bars. While Mike's looking down at his menu, I use the napkin under my beer to secretly blow my nose, cram it in my pocket. I can barely focus on the menu with the crowd forming around the door in puffy coats, pink cheeks. He notices me glaring. Be present time with him. You wait for this all week. I reach under the table and grab his warm knee with my hand. I think my favorite part of the movie was when the Keira Knightley character made that impassioned speech about, let me do my job, men. Gives me purpose as a woman. Mike picks up his drink. Huh. I thought you'd like the part where he named his computer after his first love and cried staring at it from the doorway. I related to that part, actually. I know what it's like to care for something cold and unfeeling. I give him a look. 
Mike knows I'm teasing him. It's like a fugue for us, always repeating the narrative that we are the coldest hearts to ever find each other. Sentiment, unless in the form of Drake or Destroyer, is uncomfortable for us. We must mock its every trace. We order our ramen. Our waiter is a nice white guy with a bun who reads all the specials. I hate the face I make while he reads the specials. It makes me want to leave my body. We know we are the Brooklynites, the reason why they put pork belly kale salad rolls on the menu. And that's also the reason why we are not ordering them. I think about mentioning the door chaos to the waiter, but think better of it. The cold stream of air will be good for me. It'll stop my face from turning too pink as I slurp the soup. Without assigning blame, we decide that seeing the imitation game that night had been a mistake. Cliché, repetitive movie. We've been making fun of it since the credits began rolling. In the theater, Mike could tap my shoulder, to whisper something. I'd wrap my hand around his thigh, expecting to hear him say, I could barely focus on the movie with your legs crossed in those tights. Instead, he repeated the looping catchphrase from the movie. Sometimes it's the people no one imagines anything of who do the things no one can imagine. I snort loudly and lock eyes with the elderly gay couple in the row behind us. Arms locked, wiping away tears. Alan Turing was chemically castrated for being gay, and the credits scroll so numbers explain how common it was for gay men and women to be sent to jail. Experimental medical treatments, killed. I feel like a bully, smile politely, and we rush out of the theater. Outside, while our faces burned with the cold, we pan the movie loudly. We are a cliche of a dinner in the movie couple, but every time I forget about that, I am able to have fun. When the ramen comes, it covers my face with warm steam. I sniffle, complain about my cold, my itchy eyes, talk about myself without remembering to ask Mike questions. What's on YOY this week? He asks. He's the only person who ever asked me this. Randy and Sandy are coming over for dinner? At my grandma's? What? He shakes his head. We laugh about the chaos I'm creating. What will you all talk about? I want them to do this quiz I saw in the New York Times together. My listeners keep emailing it to me. Mike asks, the one that promises to make two strangers fall in love? Yeah. I look down at my bowl, swirl my chopsticks. Casual. Do you read it? The column discusses a scientificish method, 37 questions plus four minutes of eye contact, said to make any two people fall in love. Mike and I have been dating for almost a year now, and we've never used the word, love. When I got my new job, he gave me flowers and a card, saying he's happy for me. He signed it, 321 Mike. For Christmas, he gave me another card, wishing me luck visiting my family, signed with a box around his name. Mike. I threw it down on the carpet, pretended it didn't bother me, and then used it for weeks as a bookmark so I could reread it for clues every time I wondered about us. Maybe he's waiting to be sure. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's still making up his mind about me. In a half second, I remember everything I could change about myself. Would you ever do it? He asked. The questions are the eye contact. I scratch my right eye. The eye contact. I want to hold eyes with him, like a dare. But there's an eyelash or something in there. I wipe my eye with my sleeve. He's looking right at me, and I can't look back. I fill my mouth with noodles. Mike says, there's no way this works. 
Yeah, I chew. Of course it doesn't work. It's so extreme. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever do anything like it in my lifetime with anyone. Scratching my eye. Scratching my eye. It's in the air, so I say it without looking at him. Should we do it sometime? Here? No, like under a bridge or something. Someplace scenic. I mean, I know it's cold out, but it seems like something you should do outside, right? He's quiet. I decide he doesn't want to do it. There's an eyelash or something, like, deep in my eye. I pull down my bottom eyelid and scrape with my pointer finger. The waiter arrives. How are you guys doing? My eye is red from scratching. I slide hair over it. We're good. Let me know if you need anything. I change the subject back to Randy, closing the conversation. How am I even sure that I love him? When would it have started? When you coast into another person... When they become your most important person, when everything that comes out of their mouth makes you laugh or turns you on, how do you add up the points and set off the love alarm? On the way to his apartment, it is so cold and windy outside, everyone is running. We unlock arms and play sprint into a Walgreens that's going out of business. No sales, just empty shelves. My eye is swelling and itchy. I need tissues. I tell Mike that we've been dating for so long, I have to throw away the toothbrush that's at his apartment. Too old now. The only one left in the store is a little boy toothbrush, with blinking lights. I'll take it. I want to be his manic pixie dream girl, running up and down the aisles, making witty remarks, but my eye is swollen and pink. My face looks lopsided in the mirrors above glasses racks. I cover it while he makes me laugh. Back at his place, I close the bathroom door and look deep inside my eye. There's green mucus around the lids. I pull out a glob. Mike, I need to tell you something about my eye, and you may never want to have sex with me again. He's pouring wine, picking out music. He says to me, almost bored, I'm not worried about that. I think I blew my nose into my eye. Will you Google that for me? Can you Google blow your nose into your eye, can you? But don't look at the pictures or anything, because sex. I throw myself onto his bed dramatically. I press my red, oozy eye into the pillow and wail in self-pity. This is the sexy time after fun dinner movie dates when we're supposed to be making out on the couch and unzipping things, not googling mucus eyes. I understand if you need me to wear a bag over my head while we do it. This is how I ask for compliments. I point out that I know how things should be and that the way things are is different from that and expect that by knowing the difference, I will be treated as if there is no disparity between the two. Sometimes it works. Mike comes over, puts his hand behind my head, and turns my face to his. Don't look at it! Andrea, don't ruin your boners for life! It's like Hellraiser in my eye! He holds my hands down as I try to smack him with a pillow. Andrea, you know how we were talking about the four minutes? I know, we'll never be able to do it because my eye's gonna rot off. This is probably like our last chance ever. He covers my mouth with my hand and shuts me up. I can feel his breath on my face and my breath on his hand on my face. He inhales. I swallow too loud. He looks in my good eye. I don't need the New York Times to fall in love with you. I love you. My whole body wakes up. I realize I've been holding my breath, and I try to let it out slowly. 
Every time I'd imagine him saying this, I'd pictured instant tears from me. Am I crying? I feel warm everywhere. He rolls on his back, like after sex, but smiling. I don't know why I don't tell you more often. It feels so good to say it now. I roll on my side and hide my eye behind a hill of pillow and tell him about the greeting cards, about reading closely for signs, about not caring how he feels or if he says it. I love him. That night, for probably the first time ever, we talk about feelings without having to talk about how strange it is to talk about feelings. I have pink eye. The pink eye moves from my right eye into my left eye, into his left eye and into his right eye, and back again for another round. We fill our sockets with cool drops, and when we blink, they overflow. Joining me now is writer Bajoli Shaw. She's the associate editor of The Frisky, and she recently wrote a Pacific Standard feature, Has Technology Killed the Jewelry Industry? Thanks for joining me. Hi, so nice to be here. I guess I I first want to ask you, um, tell me about your family's history with jewelry and kind of like your childhood memories around that. So my dad has his own jewelry business, and it's primarily a wholesale business. He doesn't have a retail storefront, so... The nascency for the article, I guess, was not to complain about, you know, dwindling retail profits cutting into an inheritance, per se. It was just something that he had noticed. Aside from the wholesale business, he does do a lot of, like, finished, I was about to say finished goods, which is such a jewelry term, but it really is just, you know, rings, bracelets, as opposed to someone who just sells diamonds. And he used to point out that my older sister, who she's 29, um, as her friends were starting to come to him to buy engagement rings, they just knew absolutely nothing about jewelry, which I didn't think was that weird until I started realizing that my guy friends, and I'm 27, are pretty much in the same boat. Whereas if you look even, it's not even a generation per se, but if you look at my cousins and you know my bosses and their friends in their 30s, they've all been in serious relationships where at some point they got diamond earrings or a bracelet or a necklace prior to the engagement ring. And I just feel like that's, I started noticing that that was no longer a thing 
with my groups of friends. And I started asking my dad about it, started asking other people, and realized that it was starting to become a trend that apparently the jewelry industry has been talking about forever, and I only figured out, like, two months ago. Um, yeah, I totally, I mean, I totally agree that it would be really uncool if someone, if a guy ever gave me jewelry. It feels it suddenly feels so old-fashioned, but that's, like, such a mystery mm-hmm. to my grandma. Like, my grandma's always pushing jewelry on me, or, like, if I wear a single piece of cheap jewelry from Forever 21, she she's looking at me with, like, right. a lot of judgment. Um, do you yeah. wear jewelry? So much judgment. <laughs> yeah, for her, it's like you want these precious objects that you keep in a box, and you're afraid of people stealing. I would prefer not to own anything of value, period. Same. I lose everything. And I mean, in a perfect example of that, let's say that we take out kind of the gendered boy, girl, boy, buys girl of it all, jewelry of it all. I mean, it's like if you look at my mom, who knows that I cannot be trusted with anything over $15 and doesn't she also does not expect her daughters to be an advertisement for the jewelry company because you'd think that like my parents would give me jewelry to, you know, show off. No, not the case. But she'll still look at me and she'll look at the earrings that I've been wearing for the same 10 years. And she's just like, just wear something a little nicer. Like, just borrow these. Just take these. And they're it's everyday jewelry. And I don't know how to explain to her. It's not even that it's not fashionable. They're nice diamond studs. They match with everything. I'm just like, I don't, I don't, A, I don't want to lose it. B, if I want to invest in something, I want it to be something a little fancy, which then brings in C, is this going to be trendy in a year or not? And it's just a whole... It's just an industry that I never even look at, like when I'm putting together gift lists for my parents or people that I date. So it's been a long time since I've dated someone who'd buy me jewelry. It doesn't even crop up on the list of things to investigate at all, which is just so weird to me now that I think about it. So then what do you think is filling that void now that we, our generation doesn't necessarily care at all about jewelry? I mean, it's kind of technology, but it also, uh, as I mentioned in the article, is ex- experiential activities, which is what De Beers had referred to it in their industry report, which is the first time that I felt vindicated that it wasn't just me hanging out with cheap people, but actually like a real issue that was cropping up for the industry. It's that like, I feel like there's so many things to spend your money on kind of in the same price point, you know, like an iPad out of the box is 500, you know. I never spent more than 100 on an iPhone because I wait till my upgrades, but that's another five, 600 if you buy it straight, you know. Computers are expensive, tablets are expensive, and I feel like people our age aren't as making as much as people used to back in the day, so they're choosing where to spend their money. But also those products weren't available back then. You know, like I was talking to my parents about the 80s, which just made me sound so young and childish. But back in the 80s, there were only there were very specific things to buy at that price point, and you weren't going to buy someone a new mattress. So you're like, well, for 600 bucks, I guess I could buy earrings, and I just don't see that being the case anymore. I feel like for 600 bucks, I would want someone to buy me an iPad or a really nice TV with like Bose speakers because I love football Sundays. You know, it's just it's just a more exciting product at the same price point, I guess. Hmm. Do you think people give gifts anymore, just Valentine's Day, even any other day? I feel like in order to exchange gifts with friends now, we almost have to have a conversation about, do we do Christmas? Like, are we gift people? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I was... Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. And anniversaries, gifts, I don't... Ugh, I just think gifts might be just too weird. And I would care way more about 
spending time with someone. No, I agree. I feel like people aren't giving gifts as often, which I've seen both in my group of friends, even with family, and in other people's relationships, because again, no one's, you know, buying me iPads or diamond necklaces at the moment, which is a story for a different day. Um, but I feel like gift giving has gone a little bit by the wayside. It feels like when I'm going to someone's birthday party, it's either explicitly stated that we're doing gifts or it's a conversation. There's always conversations with your group of friends of, you know, are we doing Secret Santa? Are we even doing gifts at all? I've never, I've never sort of wantonly given a gift to someone just because it was a landmark, you know, birthday anniversary date. And that's been a recent change. I used to give gifts like there was no tomorrow. Gift giving used to be a big, big part of my life. So, yeah, I feel like people are giving less gifts and they're just more practical. Like, I don't mean to take the romance out of it. I'm sure there's like a swath of people listening who are like, no, fuck you. Like, I buy tons of gifts on anniversaries and Christmases and I'm not cold hearted and dead inside, which is great. Like, all the power to them. But I just, you know, I think that people are choosing to spend in different places and you see that strongly correlated to this like incredibly steep decline in jewelry purchasing. Huh. I wonder, I'm starting to think that like maybe it has to do with being sentimental. Uh, like jewelry feels like it's so full of meaning and a lot of the gifts I end up giving people could be is usually a joke gift <laughs> or like mm-hmm. uh, my boyfriend does this really great thing where he'll buy the most sentimental card at on sale at Target and then he'll like cross out like grandson and write lady. <laughs> Does oh my that God, make I love sense? That. It's so cute, but it's like it would almost be too sentimental to get me an actual ca- Valentine's Day card. So he's going to get a card from a grandfather to a grandson that's complete with yeah. Hot Wheel stickers. Yeah, no, I agree. Like it's, there's a lot of like sentimentality. There's also, I think a big part of it is the permanence versus the impermanence of it all. Um, which, like, not to sound like I'm, like, preaching some sort of new religion, but it just feels like so much, it's like so many things these days especially are constantly being improved upon, and there are new versions. And, you know, I don't mean to sound like someone's grandma, like, look at all these versions of things, but, you know, like, you give someone jewelry, and that's really permanent. Like, you're, yeah, you could take your diamond earrings back to the jeweler you got it from and get something else made, but for the most part, like, it's a pretty permanent gift. Like, that's, that's the thing that someone got you. And it just, I know it sounds crazy. This sounds like old people talking about how crazy those millennials are. But I think on a subconscious level, it's kind of true, right? Like jewelry is this like very static thing. You get it as a gift. You Instagram it. I mean, if it's like insanely huge and gaudy, you can't wear it that often. If it's great and normal and something you can wear day to day that's still nice, what you Instagram it once, put it on Facebook, and like, look what so-and-so got me. But like, then what? I mean, yeah, you as the wearer get individual utility out of it sure but it stops being special whereas someone buys you a trip to the bahamas you're going to remember that trip you took to the bahamas or if someone buys you a macbook air i mean yeah maybe every day you don't open the lid and go oh my god this gift is so amazing two years later but you will have gotten maximum utility out of it so like one way or another those gifts are just much more functional and they have a lot less of the commitment like i was talking to a bunch of guys while i was researching the story who all sort of said the same thing, and they all hemmed and hawed around it the same way to not sound like assholes, which was just that jewelry, up until you get engaged, just feels so so serious, almost. Which I think, weirdly, was the draw of jewelry 10, 15 years ago, was that you gave it as a gift to someone who maybe you weren't engaged to because you were serious, 
And now it's like a double-edged sword for the exact same reason. It's like kind of a thing people are shying away from until, you know, like they've put the ring on it. They've signed the marriage contract. We're in this for life. I might as well spend the extra thousand bucks to keep her happy, you know, on her birthday. Yeah, and also it would give me a signal that he's thinking about buying a ring. Like you're not, it's like you're not even supposed to talk about that on any level at all. So if he went to a jewelry store to like to get something for me i'd be like oh he's ready to really go to a jewelry store yes yeah, exactly like, oh, like we're really doing this thing uh, but who yeah, but all... yeah but to add to that like who does anyone get someone a macbook pro i i don't i don't have that anecdote oh, yeah, in I my mean, social circle but that might be a who your friends I, are versus some, who my friends are i have i have one friend who got his girlfriend a laptop to wrote about because she was she's a graphic designer and she just gone freelance she needed, you know, new tools and stuff, and it's expensive being freelance. I get it. Let's even qualify him as an outlier and take MacBook Pros out of it. I still have seen people who will get their girlfriends or their boyfriends or their significant other paramours of whatever relationship an iPad, or they will get them, you know, hey, he wanted a TV for his bedroom to watch Sports Center at night, and a 32-inch was on sale for, like, 250 at Target. They'll get those sorts of gifts. And I've seen them, like, I, I guess the point I was trying to make was I've never been, I've never felt like even though people are giving fewer gifts, that the gifts have decreased in in their value. It just feels like it's shifted to this other thing entirely. And I, like, I have a different perspective on the cost of jewelry being the daughter of a wholesale jeweler where I know sort of the raw cost of what it is before the retail markup. And I'm like, you know, wholesale jewelers are hard to find. They're not like some weird secret cabal somewhere where you're either spending 250 to K jewelers or going to Tiffany's and you can't find the middlemen, you know, you can get really good jewelry, like really good jewelry for 400 bucks, which just says to me that if you're willing to buy an iPad or a Surface Pro or someone a TV for the same price point, you know, if you're willing to throw it out on vacation even, then you have the means to, you know, buy the earrings or the necklace and you're just choosing not to, and that part sort of stuck out to me. Hmm. Do you think that, huh, I just I just can't think of a time that I've ever seen a jewelry commercial and said, that looks like something my friends and I would love to have. <laughs> Do you think exactly. it's that jewelry I, lost track of what looks good to people today? I, part of me thinks that, but the other part of me, and not to alienate people that aren't from the coast that might be listening to this, but I feel like, you know, because we all make fun of the same things, right? We see the Webion commercials and we're like, who wants to buy a chocolate diamond? Or we see those, like, those awful charm bracelet commercials where, like, the woman figured out her husband's boss's preferences because she saw, like, a horse charm. No, I, I hate those commercials. And I agree, like, no one, no one that I know wants to buy that sort of jewelry, though I do think those commercials appeal. And I say this as someone who, like, has exhaustively now researched them because of having a dad who's in jewelry. I feel like those sorts of real cheesy eye roll commercials appeal to a Midwestern audience. You know, your teacher from fifth grade that happens to shop at Chico's, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like, exactly what you're saying, kind of applies in the same way in that people like us, millennials who, you know, have disposable income but haven't really bought jewelry before, aren't being aren't being sold to. And in my mind, even being the daughter of a jeweler, I wouldn't know where to go if my dad wasn't a jeweler. And that's that's after having been raised knowing where to go. Like, in my mind, it's either K Jewelers or it's Tiffany's. 
But that's such a hugely wide gap between two poles of, you know, retail jewelry to buy. And I feel like, right, people just don't really know where to go. It's becoming less and less of a thing in their lives. It's just like self-propagating myth almost that jewelry is not that exciting a thing to buy. Hmm. I also wonder if we're resisting adulthood. Like the idea of giving jewelry feels so adult to me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have, oh, yeah. when I close my eyes and I think about marriage, I haven't made up my mind if I want that. When I close my eyes and I think about babies, I haven't made up my mind. I can't picture what an engagement ring even looks like. Like I, if I right. am at a jewelry store, I put it on every finger, but that one, I just don't have a picture of what that future looks like. So then I don't picture jewelry as a part of it. Yeah, I mean, Do you have a picture of your engagement ring? Like, what does it look like to you? I do not. You're right. I'm a horrible daughter of a jeweler. I do not have a dream engagement ring. I was actually, like, harassing my sister last week or a couple weeks ago about, like, what type of engagement ring she would want just in case her boyfriend ever came to our parents for one. And she had no idea either. I have no idea. You're totally right. Engagement ring I can sort of get on board with a little bit only because I have no idea what I would want it to look like, but I kind of know I want it to exist as heteronormative and outdated a concept as engagement rings might be. But for the rest of the jewelry, I don't have that. You know, like I don't have a, even if I was in a relationship with someone for three years, I'm not waiting two years, whatever, insert significant amount of time to, you know, you and your own. I have never pictured the like, oh, he really knows me, he got me, blah, 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 earrings. And that's not to say that I wouldn't like them or be thrilled that I got them. It's not as if I'm some sort of, like, urban ascetic. It's just, you're right, it's not something that I even really picture. It's so low on the list of things that I actively want, whereas, you know, I don't need an iPad, but I really want an iPad right now. I'm tired of reading in bed on my laptop, and I would love if someone gave me one. So... See, and I'm totally opposite because I would want to pick it out and customize it and figure out how much storage I need. And, like, I enjoy the process of picturing, of, like, planning my technology and, you know, paying it off or whatever. I don't, I almost wouldn't even want a guy to spend, I wouldn't want him to spend money on me. And that's another, like, discomfort I have because I can totally afford everything I need in my life right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have... Are, so wait, are you comfortable with someone spending money on you? And do you think other women are more so than I am? Yeah, I mean, not to, but not to make you feel weird about no, that. No, it's okay. I think I'm okay with it. I, I think I'm super okay with it. And also, admittedly for me, and this might change when I'm in a serious relationship because it's been a few years now, and when I was in one, I wasn't close to marriage. I will say that I do have a lot of guilt around, um, around holidays and birthdays when I'm dating someone because of my salary. I'm a writer. I don't make a ton of money. And you're right. I would feel, let's say that I'm writing and I'm dating some sort of banker and we weren't, you know, getting engaged at the Christmas that was coming up. I would feel guilty if he spent $500 on a necklace. And I was like, here's this really nice hundred dollar foot massager you really wanted. It was all I could afford. It would bother me a little bit, probably more than a little bit. I think once we're closer to this is the thing we're doing, I wouldn't feel as bad only in the, like, your money is my money and vice versa very soon, if not already. 
Like, it wouldn't bother me that much. It's the permanence, really, of it would stress me out more. And this was was actually got cut from the article and was something that I thought was so interesting that one of the guys that I'd interviewed said to me, which was that we were just talking about what he would rather buy. He was on the tech side of things, that he'd rather buy a girl, you know, a TV, an iPad, a whatever. If, you, if he was already going to spend that much money, he'd rather spend it in one of those categories. And I was like, okay, let's say you guys break up. Let's say that this doesn't end up being the one and, you you know, you, get, you don't get married and it doesn't work out. Are you more upset that you bought the iPad or that you bought the earrings, even if the price point is exactly the same? And let's say you bought it two years before you break up. So the TV is now obsolete. Earrings, technically, though, are still the same, though they do depreciate. And literally, not just that one guy, but I talked to about 45 guys. They all said the exact same thing, which was they'd be more upset about the jewelry, which was just so weird to me in terms of consumer behavior, because I was like, either way, you're out this mass amount of money. In both hypothetical scenarios, you're not getting the product back, you know, so you can't resell it. And they all, the jewelry was much more significant to all of them, which I just thought was so weird. And I think that it, like, I don't know, maybe connotes a lot more significance and permanence to a relationship that people aren't willing to commit to as these days so quickly. I don't know. I just... Huh. Or it's that, that they up. know we'd awesome. stop wearing the jewelry, but we would keep using the iPad. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and I even... It was just so weird because we were talking about, with all these guys I was talking about hypotheticals, we were talking about it in the sense of, let's say the TV breaks or she loses the ring, the necklace, whatever. Like, both both can no longer be returned, and they don't exist to give functional value to her. Because I got a few that were like, why would she wear it if we broke up? But I'm like, I don't know. It's a hypothetical question for a story. <laughs> like, let's not get into the neuroses of these fictional characters. But it just, yeah, people felt all of these guys that I talked to all sort of echoed the exact same response which was that buying jewelry meant that you were really in. And that was a thing that was giving people a lot more hesitation than the cost of whatever they were purchasing, which I hadn't thought about when I started the article and then just kept coming up repeatedly and often. Huh. So Valentine's Day is coming up. He wants to show you he cares. Uh, how do you think a guy can show a girl that he cares? Like, cause isn't that what it was about? Like when my grandma got, um, a Valentine's day bracelet from my grandpa, she looked at it and showed it to her friends. And she said, this guy cares about me. He did this for me. And if that meaning has lo- been lost for us from jewelry, engagement rings aside, I guess, like, what is sure. the thing that, that you recommend to people this year? I don't have a good product. It's, I was just talking about this with a friend. It has to be the right mix of something that's mildly practical. When I say mildly, I mean real mildly, but not or like a degree of practical, but not so practical that it's boring. You know, like I had a guy friend who bought his girlfriend a KitchenAid stand mixer, and she really wanted one, and maybe another girl would have loved it. She was just like, I'm already a baker. Like that's ultimately you bought me a job tool, not a, you know, thing that I really wanted and needed and I think I think it's really that there's a mix of like it has to be maybe a little bit practical but not so practical it's boring and something that shows you listen to like what she cares about or what she's into instead of just hey society told me that I have to buy you this really nice thing for this like made up market or fabricated holiday so I did which I know is not a good answer. For some people, that might be jewelry. I don't think that your grandma is completely outdated even now. I think some girls would say, 
hey, you got me a necklace and that's so thoughtful and maybe I didn't need it, but I could wear it. Super sweet. I personally would be like, okay, cool. And I know how often I lose necklaces. But like I said, if you buy me that iPad, like that's like BJ Central for a week. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I like that idea I mean, that be- you could show how you care by by gifting me something that you think will make me better at the way I spend, like that will help me in my job or make my life easier. Yeah, just something. Yeah, just something that you think the person would like that they. I feel like the biggest thing is something that they probably wouldn't get themselves, which I know is a standard cliche everyone says. But now that I look at, I used to not care what people gifted me. A couple of years ago, when I lived in LA and everything was cheap and rent was amazing. Now I care more because I'm like, what do I want someone to get me that I don't theoretically need and is just outside of the bounds of what I would spend for myself anyways? And mm. go like that to jumping off point. So I'm not inherently against jewelry because for sure I wouldn't spend money on it. It just currently is heavily outranked by a handful of other things that I also don't totally need but would sure enjoy having. Hmm. Um do you think gifts are essential? No, I don't think gifts are essential. Uh, and I say that as someone who loves gifts, just loves them so, so, so much, actually. like, And the only thing I love more than gifts is surprise gifts. And I still don't think they're essential. I think that I'm someone who loves surprise gifts because they're nice and because it's a way in which I'm used to showing thoughtfulness. Like, I'm much better at, you know, I did this thing or I got you this thing than I am saying words about how much someone means to me. Uh, but no, I don't think they're essential. And I think that maybe a lot of people are starting to feel that way, which is the other reason that we're seeing this like precipitous decline in things over experiences like travel or what have you. Hmm. Yeah, like my, um, I think the experiences is kind of like the Groupanification of, uh, of gifting, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my, uh, stepbrother's girlfriend got him skydiving, a pass for skydiving. They went skydiving yeah. together for Christmas, and it was like I think it was perfect. It was an it was an experience. It was expensive. It's completely memorable, and uh, and they survived. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I feel like. Even if someone gets me jewelry and I end up married to them, and it's a zillion years of the best, you know, romantic life we could have together. I would totally remember going skydiving or I would remember the time we went to Costa Rica more than I might remember, hey, he got me these like nice diamond studs, you know, on our three year anniversary. It just it's just a thing that I would care more about and I'm a lot less likely, especially being on a fixed budget, to care as much about jewelry versus like someone took me to Costa Rica for a week, you know? Hmm. It just yeah. it would do more for my world right now. Uh, do you have any quick tips for guys who are shopping for jewelry for the very first time who are thinking, I want to bring yes. this back? Yes, I do have tips for guys that want to bring it back. Um, so the first thing I would suggest is, if possible, try to find a non-pay jeweler, non-sale tech store. Not that they're not great and not that their price points aren't good, but if you work with a local jeweler or an independent jeweler, they're able to spend more time. Sales and K, sales and K in those sorts of places are limited by the inventory they get. Whereas a local jeweler, you can go and you can say, listen, this is my budget. This is what I'm looking for. And for the most part, they'll really work with you. Because if you're buying jewelry, especially diamond jewelry, you know, there are four C's to diamonds, which is color, cut, clarity, um, and carrot. And 
if you go to a place like Tiffany's, sure, all four of those things are great, and you're paying commensurate for it. But you work with a local jeweler, and you're like, listen, my budget is X, and I want to buy these things. A local, an independent jeweler has more time to tell you, okay, you can sacrifice these many degrees of color, but, you know, I wouldn't sacrifice on cut, for example. Or, hey, this is a difference in carrots, but the clarity can, you know, you can take a little bit of a hit on clarity. No big deal. And they're able to work with diamond wholesalers who can provide them the diamonds that sort of meet those specifications, which is a lot harder to do at a retail store like a K or a Zales that, you know, has a very specific fixed set of inventory. That's really my biggest tip is that it just helps you kind of stay within your budget, still get something worth purchasing. And then the half that, I would go with classic styles. If you're going to spend that much money, you would hope that someone wears it regularly, even in the many years to come. So I wouldn't splurge on, you know, the rose gold necklace that turns into a ring if you fold it up in a certain way, which is a real thing that I do own. Um, I would get something really classic because you never know 20 years from now what's going to be, you know, super fashionable. But I can tell you that I've been wearing diamond studs that have been in my family for 40 years now. So those at least worked out. Hmm. I think those are really the two the two biggest tips. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Bajoli yeah, no Shaw, for joining me on YOY. Have a great Valentine's Day. You too. Thanks. And that's it for this week's show. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Andrea Slenzi. This has been YOY. I have help, as always, from my intern, Erin and Hopkins. Happy Valentine's Day, you all. I love you. I really do. Like, I just, like, love you. And I don't think Valentine's Day is about romantic, partnered love. I think Valentine's Day can just hopefully be about thinking about love, loving yourself, telling your friends that you love them. I don't know. You guys are my friends. Feels good. Feels good to say it, you know? Don't bottle that stuff up. And uh, I got you an iPad. Enjoy. <laughs>